0: There's a whole lot of life after menopause, the average age of the final period that is menopause is 52. So think about it, 52 to 80, that's a lot of time. Are you gonna use that running to the doctor, getting on prescription meds, or are you going to use it building the best body you've ever had in terms of strength and flexibility? having the most fun you've ever had. Finally, finally, because you've had your job, your career, your family, it's your time.
1: Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. This show is all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective, natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Women in our society are taught that being miserable is just a normal part of midlife. Like your warranty has expired and you're meant to slowly fall apart from here on out. Let's be honest, there is nothing further from the truth. And my guest, a pioneer in women's health, Dr. Northrup, dispelled this ridiculous myth many years ago with her revolutionary book that literally changed everything for women moving into midlife, The Wisdom of Menopause. Now, when I was devouring her book in 2019, during the months I was researching for my newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution, I was blown away by her mindset about midlife along with her personal journey that she shares in the very beginning of this book. In chapter one of her number one New York Times bestselling book, she talks about the change that happens during this incredible journey in our lives. Menopause and even perimenopause puts our life under a microscope. This time in our lives, has us reassess what's truly important, including, most importantly, our relationships, our careers, the things that we love to do. It was during this time when Dr. Northrup was going through menopause that she ended up getting a divorce. She found her voice and she launched her brand in a massive way. She completely reinvented her life and speaks with vulnerability about her experiences and the amazing wins that she embraced with her newfound passion and voice. Now, in previous conversations, Dr. Northrup has talked about menopause being a new beginning. And I 100% believe that to be true. I see menopause or midlife, whatever you want to call it, as a new phase to step into and really claim our power and claim our voice. And that's exactly what my mama did when she turned 50 years old. Now, if you want to hear about my mom's powerful transformation and how she really dove into what Creates passion in her life, the relationships that she cultivated. Definitely go back and listen to episode 264. It was just a couple of weeks back. And listen to her amazing sage advice about sauntering and gliding into her 50s and beyond. Now, today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Northrup on the show to speak into the wisdom that women gain as they slide into midlife. Not only their emotional and mental wisdom, but also their physical wisdom, too. Now, before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Northrup is a visionary pioneer in women's health. She's a board-certified OBGYN with more than 30 years of clinical experience. She's a three-time New York Times bestselling author of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, The Wisdom of Menopause, which we're going to be talking about today, and Goddesses Never Age. In 2013, Reader's Digest named Dr. Northrup one of the 100 most trusted people in America. She was named Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, and in 2021, she was included in the Watkins Spiritual 100, a list of living people that make a unique and spiritual contribution on a global scale. Please welcome Dr. Northrup to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Northrup. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing very, very well. The flowers are all in bloom. The earth is coming awake in the the Northeast. And uh, so I'm doing very, very well. I find that I have more planetary support than I ever could have dreamed possible at this time of the Great Awakening.
1: Mm, I love that. And your number one New York Times bestselling book is coming out as a fourth edition. I just ordered it. So I'm so excited to get the newest edition. I was showing you an older edition that I have. That it probably is a second or a third edition. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. This oh. is the this is
0: the this is the new one. You can see that it's you know a little book like I write. You know, it's like, yeah. and uh, you know, I won't be doing this again. So um, you know, this is like uh, I'm in a nine year numerologically, and that's like okay, you're sort of tying up. the the work that you've been doing, like for whatever period of time. And so this is kind of, I I had this feeling several years ago. I thought, okay, let me completely update my two big books, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, The Wisdom of Menopause, bring them up to date. Then I can say, okay, that portion of my life is, is done now. It feels that way. It's like, okay, this was this is what I'm giving to the world and um, and we'll see what comes next. But for right now, this is what we're doing.
1: I am so grateful that you have updated these to what I consider to be the pinnacle books, Bibles on menopause and this transition into our new beginning. When I was writing mine, I just, I was this, I was like, I hope to be a companion to this incredible body of work. That was my intention. I, every day I sat down as I wrote, I was like, I hope to be a companion to this incredible book. And the fact that you, it's getting an update, you know, for, cause I know we're always, we're always learning more things and goodness knows. Deservingly so. You know, even when you wrote this book, you know, the first edition, there was so much misinformation. There was, we, society, there was no wisdom for women in menopause. If anything, it was absolutely the decline. And I find that we're still fighting that perception that we've put. But this book has given us such a different way of thinking about the way in which we get to live our life. We get to live in our bodies moving forward. Talk to me about what was, you know, after being an OBGYN, delivering a lot of babies, supporting a lot of women over the years. When you decided, when you were looking at the landscape of women's health, what was the inspiration for wanting to serve women in this particular phase in their life?
0: It was the fact that I went through all the stages with my own peers. So, you know, we all sort of had our babies at the same time. And then, as I began to go through menopause myself, I see, cause I can, I have this memory for moments in time, you know, little photographs in time. And I could remember being like 31, 32 years old, women would come to my practice and they would say, I don't understand it. Why is it that I haven't changed my diet one single bit, but now I have this roll, I have this muffin top around here and you know, I'm 31, 32, what do I know? It's like, yeah, and, you know, and, and, and they don't teach you any of that stuff in, in medicine. And at that time, there was enormous pressure to just put everybody on Premarin, the urine of pregnant horses, and Provera, um, medroxyprogesterone acetate, which is quite different biochemically from natural progesterone that your body makes, that your ovaries make, and so on. And I was watching that being pushed on everybody like M&Ms. And I thought there needs to be another answer. Then, of course, we'd have the drug reps, big pharma, coming in all the time with the samples. And, you know, thinking back, you know, I remember all the drug reps would come in and they'd had the, the great new birth control pill. And I would look at the data and it never made any sense to me. Why? Because every time they were giving you some kind of upgrade, it was just another synthetic hormone that that was not found in nature. And then when you look at the big picture and you look back to the Flexner report in the 1920s that closed all the... Women's medical schools, herbal, naturopathic, acupuncture, osteopathic, chiropractic, anything natural. Oh God, we can't have that because you can only patent something that is not found in nature. Mm -hmm. So I began to do a lot of work on natural progesterone. I saw what that was doing. I even began to work with a guy who had patented a natural progesterone skin patch, like a nitro patch for women with chest pain, because he had done research on, um, on monkeys and found that around menopause, women's coronary arteries go into spasm a lot earlier than men's, but if you use natural progesterone, it caused vasodilation. So there's all this, all this good stuff through the years that I have followed. And I've even spoken with drug companies. Hey, could you please do a bioidentical progesterone? This would help so many women. Now, of course, I would use Amrita 2% natural progesterone skin cream, and you can get that on Amazon today, which is which is great. And it would often prevent the premenstrual migraines. And then I began to research the herbs like Prairie Morifica, Black Quahosh. And of course, you've done this wonderful job with the essential oils. These are all natural medicines, naturally occurring medicines that have been used for centuries, but have been truly under attack since the 1920s on and those of us who have used these approaches have been labeled as quacks if you'd like to know what that looks like just go to my wikipedia profile after 30 years as an assistant clinical professor of obgyn three new york times best selling books eight highly successful public television specials and on and on but then when you start to talk about something natural then there's a kind of an enormous rising up from the Mockingbird media to discredit you. And I've seen it over and over and over because I was president of the American Holistic Medical Association back in the 90s with Yale surgeon Dr. Bernie Siegel. And uh, at, at that time we we all of us we'd go to a meeting of the Holistic Medical Association and we'd go look in our doctors' mailboxes to see, you know, do we still have a job? Have they pulled my license yet? You know, that kind of thing. We had a radiologist, I remember from Washington, DC, and he said, Every now and then I go over to the window, I open it, and I yell out the word holistic. Now, then this stuff became much more accepted, much more popular. You know, I kind of broke trail on an unmarked trail with no lighting. And then, you know, a whole group have come along to take the work further. But They don't take it far enough because what you and I are talking about, yes, there's all these things that you can do, but you got to really look at the fact that this menopausal transition is a rebirth. It's rebirth and it is going to bring up all the unhealed business of your past. And that might mean your marriage, your job
1: it's the first start. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so real. It's so vulnerable, but it's so, it's the truth. Like I love you start this book of the beginning, but that everything started to come up, you know, everything, everything came up for review.
0: It all does. And if you think that this is a deficiency of Prozac or Zoloft or Abilify or whatever they're selling these days, if you think that that's the answer, heaven help you because it's like with postpartum depression, that's always about something. It's always about something. It's not normal to have so many people, so many women suffer from postpartum depression. So what I say is PMS, postpartum depression, seasonal affective disorder, they are all examples of how that which is feminine and in a female body suffers in the system that we can call patriarchy. We can call it the dominator system. It's the system that brings you GMO crops, puts fluoride in the water, puts pesticides on everything, you know, and and uh, but notice, we're further ahead because if you look at how many people want organic food now, It's a lot. And in the past, you know, when I went off to med school, my aunt, who is a pediatrician, gave me a book called The Nuts Among the Berries. And it was about, you know, health nuts. That's what she called me. So you know we've we've come a long way since then. You can get green smoothies, you know, in, in a lot of towns and so I on.
1: Green juice yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah. There we
0: go. And there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, like you could never have done that before. But when it comes to women, you know how they're they're now saying, you know, not your mother's menopause. I think what we I've have I've been
1: saying about, not your mama's menopause. <laughs>
0: your mama's menopause. Yeah. So it's it's a good line because we now know we're coming into our power, and every generation before us has done the heavy lifting of that particular time frame. But now, with your generation, you know, we're even further ahead. However, you don't want to get stalled by the messages from television. 70%, 80% of all of television is brought to you by Big Pharma. So we have to really be very clear that you don't want to be a lifelong customer of that system.
1: Agreed. And I think a lot of the women listening to this show are looking for something different. And I think every time they went to their doctor, you know, a lot of primary care physicians, even some OBGYNs have a hard time distinguishing between perimenopause and menopause. They're not even exactly sure where their patient is in the, in the spectrum of their, their stage and transition. And I think when we go to the doctor's office, you know, so often women in perimenopause are being offered, you know, Zoloft or Wellbutrin, hormonal birth control, you know. Oh,
0: God, that's um, the one you yeah, just, just put it all on ice.
1: Yeah, put it on ice. And then they're 60 and they wonder if they ever went through menopause because they're still on the pill. You know, and I, I hear this every day, every single day. And women know that there's more for them. They know that they're that they want to understand what is actually going on with their bodies. What is happening during these transitions? We deserve to know what hormones are shifting. What does that mean when estrogen and, and progesterone drop? How does that impact our other metabolic and, and endocrine system? And what kind of pivots and changes can I make? to change with my body, right? And to understand the wisdom of my body. And then that other, the, the emotional and spiritual piece of how do I get to reinvent who I am and how do I want this next phase to look like for me? You know, how do I get to have life happen for me, not to me, versus how we've been told that it's just kind of, it's going to happen to you. Because <laughs> that's what I think we're still being told. You know, I get to stand on the shoulders of my mom, as you were speaking to, who we had a we had a conversation about her last time, who she, you know, just turned 60. Now she's a, a grandma. She's so excited. But she is running a, a marathon this this weekend and then getting on a plane to Hawaii to visit with us. And she's just living her best life. Live. She just, yes, redefined it, owned it and channeled it in and she's got her hair extension, she's got her eyelashes, she's got how she wants to look, how she wants to feel, how her relationships, what matter to her in terms of her relationships and just really opening the door for those endless possibilities. And I always love to, to give her as an example because so often women don't think that the endless possibilities are available to them when really it's the best time that we get to step into it.
0: Yeah, that is exactly right. And the beauty for you of having a mother like that, she adds to your life. Here's what's very common. Uh, the woman who feels like the best years are over, like her her time for whatever is over, and then you become, as the daughter or the son, you become her source. And nothing is worse than that. I call that, that's the mother-daughter chain of pain. I mean you you know so then you feel guilty that she's alone she's not but you've got a mother who obviously has enough connection with her soul to train for a freaking marathon okay so she's not going to have any trouble being a real asset to your life and what we see in our this is interesting i've had patients who had phd's md's whatever But when they got to the place where their mother had stopped, let's say where their mother died at the age of 54 or something like this, they had to come to this bump in the road. There's something so primal. Your mother is the lead elephant in the pack. And by the way, it is the oldest female that leads the herd. She's the one who remembers where the water is, where the food is, whatever. The males are clueless. It's the oldest female. And when you have the oldest female in your group leading well, what it does for you is you look at that and there's absolutely no fear, you see, because you're not seeing somebody who has bought the programming of society. Okay, so here's what I like to say to people. There's this thing called a patriarchal reversal. Mary Daly wrote gynecology way back, one of the early feminist texts. And she said, the thing that has the most power is the thing that gets degraded the fastest in a dominator society. So therefore, where are we taught to be ashamed? The menstrual cycle, menopause,
1: 13 years on, Dr. Northrup, 13, 12 years on. Yeah. The second you get your cycle, it is just one shame after the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Real time. No, but, but it is, and right now we're getting literally thousands and thousands and thousands of case reports of people whose cycles are all messed up in this particular time, which means that, including sixteen-month-old little girls, passing clots. I want to just put that out there because you could say that the feminine. It's it's like Custer's last stand. The feminine is under attack. The womb is under attack. So So more than ever, more than ever, we need the wisdom of menopause. We need the wisdom of essential oils, which is your work. We need that feminine wisdom because that will keep our immune systems in good shape. We need to ground on the earth. And mostly we need to not buy the narrative, that this is the beginning of the end, that there's nothing you can do, that you need this medication. Nothing could be further from the truth. And so for you having the gift of a mother like that, I mean, because so many women don't have that. What they have is the mother who got breast cancer, the mother who's got digestive issues, who has diabetes, metabolic syndrome, early heart disease, they're not out there running marathons and showing their daughters and their grandchildren how it's done. You get the exact opposite because they're still under the, the, we could call it the dream spell, the cult programming, whatever it is about what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to feel after menopause. Um, one myth I'd like to bust right here, right now.
1: Yes. I it love is, busting um, these myths
0: as women in their sixties and seventies are having the best sex of their lives. It's not, Oh God, it's too late for you. No, no. The other, the other myth is that all men, let's say that you're divorced or your husband has died or you're single, that all men want women who are 20 years younger. They don't actually, the men who are stuck in adolescence want someone who's 20 years younger. And you don't want to be with a man like that anyway. Mm. You just don't.
1: So powerful! I ooh, mm-mm-mm. there is a couple of women who are dating men who are stuck in adolescence. I can think of right now <laughs> who need that message.
0: Uh, exactly right. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: Those are two powerful myths to bust. And the other myth that we've busted already is that it's the beginning of the end. That is the myth I hear over and over and over again, and so many women are subscribing to it.
0: Yeah. At my age, it's too late to whatever. So what I've done personally in my life is every time I come up across a, one of those cultural portals and Dr. Mario Martinez talks about cultural portals are far more potent than our biology. So what's a cultural portal? Age 35 is a cultural portal because We've been taught by the medical profession that your fertility like drops off after 35. It doesn't, but it doesn't, by the way. So the second most common group getting abortions for unwanted pregnancy are women in their 40s because they've bought the programming that they can't get pregnant after the age of 35. And that's certainly not true. So we need to look at cultural portals. Age 65 is another huge cultural portal. That age and that age to make it age of retirement came about because Otto von Bismarck in Germany wanted to give the pensioners a couple years rest before they died. And the average age of death at that time was 68. So they would only live like two to three years before the pension would end. Now the average person is living... Well, the average age of death is 78.6. It's probably... It's longer than that for women. And so there's a whole lot of life after menopause. The average age of the final period, that is menopause, is 52. So think about it. 52 to 80. That's a lot of time. Are you going to use that running to the doctor, getting on prescription meds, or... Are you going to use it building the best body you've ever had in terms of strength and flexibility, having the most fun you've ever had? Finally, finally, because you've had your job, your career, your family, it's your time. Maybe I remember a doctor wanting to get into beekeeping And she got her bees in the mail. You get a big box of bees, and the box is buzzing. And she said, I went to get my bees, and it was like having this amazing Reiki treatment, just carrying the box around. I wrote a couple little books, The Secret Pleasures of Menopause and The Secret Pleasures of Menopause Playbook. And these were little books that I did with Hay House. And they were about nitric oxide, actually. They were about this molecule of of wellness. Nitric oxide is produced by the endothelial lining of the entire cardiovascular tree. So, you know, you prick your finger and it's going to bleed no matter where. That's how the capillary beds are vast. And when you produce nitric oxide in that endothelial lining, it's the uber neurotransmitter. And it balances all the other neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, beta endorphin. How do you increase nitric oxide? Will you do it with healthy foods. There are supplements that do it, like the antioxidants. Sex does it, or pleasure does it, standing on the earth. It's really, the nitric oxide is the molecule of wellness, meditation, exercise, but not over exercise. Wim Hof breathing will increase nitric oxide. So that's what you wanted. That's the fountain of youth. And so you want to do things that increase the fountain of youth.
1: Mm, I love that. Mm. And all of these so, so easy to integrate. And there's so many side benefits to nourishing our body in that way. You know, all of those, you know, how what we put into our bodies, how we breathe, how we get out in nature and ground, you know, how we create intimacy and do the things that we love to do, do the things that bring us joy. And then the other thing I wanted to speak on is that I, I think, Dr. Northrop, you've been doing big things for a long time. But a lot of your books and your your big TV publications, a lot of that happened in your, I want to say in your 50s. I would say like, that's when, yeah, that's like, I think about women doing their biggest things, their biggest achievements are in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. I just want to highlight that moment.
0: Now, 52, age 52 is the Chiron return. And what happens for many women at age 52, they feel like they're dying like their old life is going away. It's an interesting astrological transit cuz in many ways their old life is going away. Just like right now from a planetary cycle our old life is gone. We're not we're not going to have, you know, when people say I just want to get back to normal, that will never be happening. That's never happening. So what I say is we're going to go from the old normal to something more beautiful than we ever could have imagined. so we're in we're in the birth canal of that, just like women are in the birth canal when they're in perimenopause. But you need to own your own power, and quite frankly, my advice would be stop watching any mainstream media, mainstream newspapers, the so-called trusted sources of the past, and go to inside yourself or go for books that inspire you, that uplift you. But one caution that I want to make is you cannot ignore the darkness that the old system is crumbling. And when anything breaks down, break down to break through, like you just went through labor so you know that there's a time in there where you just say, I am, I'm out. I am not doing this. This is way too hard and you're so stuck. You're so stuck.
1: You're just in it. There's no getting out of it.
0: There's no getting out of you it. You have
1: to get to the other side.
0: Yeah, and it's the it's really amazing. And of course, it utterly changes you as a person. There, there's some vast resource of power and strength that you access as a result of that experience. And so it's the same with the perimenopause to the degree that you sit down and access your own power instead of running to the doctor with every symptom because I'll tell you what you're gonna get. If it's a regular doctor, you are gonna get psych meds, you're gonna get synthetic hormones. And that's all you're going to get. That's, that's
1: all you're going to get. That's all
0: you're going to get. Yeah.
1: Maybe they'll say exercise more and eat less. Like Maybe they'll say that. I don't know, but that was a, that's the
0: protocol. That's the protocol. And here's the thing. It's worse than it's ever been. I have watched my profession just kind of go away, just go away. So you you want to have a circle, like I call it a placenta of support of women around you. That is the most healthy thing that you can possibly do. Get a whole group of, of women surrounding you um, who will be your wing women in your new life. So that might include learning how to dance, learning a language, traveling somewhere, driving alone at night, you'd be surprised how many women will not drive alone at night. So how does that truncate your life? Although, you know, if you're in a city and they've got Uber, that's a great thing. I mean, that's, that's really frees you up, but we each have to push the envelope a bit to know what's really inside. I remember so well, I was recently divorced and I went home to visit my family and my brother and sister with their spouses went off to have fun without me because I was now the single woman and I was designated as the person to be my mother's date because she had been widowed at the age of 52. And I remember that there was this sort of archetypal ancient thing that came up in me is, which is I will not, allow that story where the oldest daughter takes care of the mother. I'm not going to allow that story to be my reality. We're not doing it. Neither am I going to allow my brother and sister to just desert me now that I am a a single woman and therefore my stock has fallen in the world of, you know, the outer world. And so it's always important to notice these things that would be so easy to fall victim to. Mm. Because it's gonna come up. And then you're you're gonna say, I am not gonna be a victim to that. That is not gonna be my story. Yes, has that been this sort of archetypal story? It's in the air, it's in the water. Yep. From now on, you know, we do a family thing and you're going to book a room with mom. You know, it's like, that would be fine for some people. That would be, they'd love it. It would be fine. Not me, not me. So every step along the way, I have said, and I want people to get this, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm not doing that.
1: I love that. But it's that awareness. And taking that moment, taking that stock and saying, "Mm, hmm, that's, you know, just because every like family bought into this, that doesn't mean I'm going to buy into this, you know. And just like just like just because it happened to my mom or it's what my sister chose or it's what society keeps telling me to do, like I get to decide what it's going to be for me. I love the idea of the tunnel in perimenopause. One of the things that we talked about before was that there is a little bit of grieving that happens when our reproductive system is, you know, that's a different time in our
0: life. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, if you haven't had a child and you weren't sure, you know, you weren't sure, but you always had the option. That's a very different thing. Than just being 32, 33, 34, saying, you know, I'm not sure. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know. But then when you are 45, 44, 45, 46, 47, then that window is truly closing. Then that's not your choice. That's just part of being in a female body. And that is accompanied very often with panic and with grief.
1: I have a lot of friends who have chosen not to have children and are in their late 40s, you know, and just reevaluating their life, the choices, and just kind of getting getting okay with the decisions that they made, you know, and then and and taking that decision to move forward. The other where I, I get a lot of questions and I get a lot of women really struggling and I don't do I'll be honest with you I don't do enough due diligence inside of my book is the women who have had hysterectomies at an earlier age 32 40 45 and they are they don't fi- they don't feel like there's any place for them in the conversation in the sense that all of a sudden they're in early menopause and they no one told them what to expect, Dr. Northrop, in your experience, how have you helped women navigate this? Because it feels like such a big loss at, at an earlier age.
0: Well, I have um, in the wisdom of menopause, I have a whole section on surgical menopause. So first of all, what I want all women to No, and I would get your operative report if you possibly could just have that in your files. What exactly was removed? Because when I was doing hysterectomies, I would very often leave the ovaries in. I was taught, think about this, that if a woman's 35 or over, she doesn't need her ovaries. Oh my God, the ovaries produce hormones for your whole life. But again, it's that fear of cancer. Well, we better take the ovaries out because, uh, you know, then she'll never get ovarian cancer. By the way, that is not true. You can get a cancer arising in the serosal surface around the peritoneum, around the lining of the lower body cavity. So, removing organs as prevention is rarely a place that I would encourage a woman. I understand it. And like if you're one of those people with huge genetics for breast cancer, and then you know you might want to have a prophylactic mastectomy. But again, it's the epigenetics, how the environment gets the genes to express that is the, the issue. But what you want to do with a woman who's had a hysterectomy, find out what she still has. Does she have her ovaries? If she does, chances are that early on post-op her hormone levels fell, same by the way, with the tubal ligation, but then they will come back after uh, six months or so. They'll come back as the blood supply reroutes to that organ. Then I also tell women, uh, it's a terrible thing to just boom, have the ovaries be removed. And then suddenly you're instantly in menopause. A normal menopausal transition is a six to 13-year process. So it's not like you're pulling a rug out from under somebody. And that's what the Women's Health Initiative did when it stopped abruptly in 2002. Suddenly, all these women who'd been on hormones and they were doing great with them were told, Those are dangerous. You got to stop right now. Boom. Rug pulled out from under them. I never would have done it that way. There are so many ways that you can be on hormones. They should be as close to what your own body would make as possible. Like, okay, so you know, you teach a lot of women with essential oils. I always suggest that someone start with that, the essential oils, the herbs, the prairie morifica, whatever. And then only move on to the prescription hormones if you find you need them. Many women don't need them, but if they had a hysterectomy by the age of 33, 34, I think they should have some mammalian hormones at least up until the age that they would normally go through menopause. Now, this is really interesting. I've had women who had hysterectomies in their 20s for cancer. Then they would go along and begin to have all the normal menopausal symptoms when they were 44, 45, 46, on its surface, this makes no sense. Like, wait a minute, you had your total abdominal hysterectomy and your ovaries removed. How is it that you're going through menopause now? Well, that's because there are cycles There are energetic cycles that the female body goes through, and this is when you wire in more wisdom. I I can't explain it, but I've seen it. I've seen
1: it. I've seen it myself too, where all of a sudden they're like, everything, I doesn't make any sense. How is this possible? I've had people ask me, like, how is it that I'm having menopausal symptoms? In my late 40s, and I didn't really have, I'm like, I honestly I'm not sure if I know. I mean, more that maybe our there's a wisdom in our bodies that's just
0: kicking in. That was what I, I think so. Yeah. Even if they've been on hormones, it doesn't matter. So what I would do, you know, let's say 32, 33, then I would recommend mammalian hormones if possible, unless unless that surgery was for some kind of estrogen-dependent cancer, in which case you would wanna use some of the herbs and so on. And by the way, there's so many things that women are put on that make their quality of life just suck, tamoxifen, aromatics, an aromatase uh, inhibitor, you know, to just stop all hormone activity. And you have to say to yourself sometimes, is this a life worth living if I'm suffering this much? So in those cases, you know, a dusting of hormones, some herbs, whatever. There's so many things that women can do. Do you have an acupuncturist and traditional Chinese medicine person that you send a lot of patients to?
1: I do, yes, local. My Actually, my husband just came back from his appointment. There you um, go, yeah. So we do, we, he's incredible. And, and it's absolutely what I recommend, you know, for, I, you know, I think about, when I think about essential oils is, you know, as you and I both know is our health journey is a continuum. There's no end game. I mean, end game, there's an end game, but like it's, it's the end. And I think so often that we, when we're moving through these phases and we're finding our bodies and we're tapping into that wisdom, we deserve instant wins. We deserve those instant moments. We deserve the instant, you know, a little boost of energy, a little to choose your mood with an oil. And that's kind of how they've always played a role for me in my recommendations. But where I really stand is... is. You know, doing doing the spiritual work, working on the self-care, dialing the supplements, and really nourishing our bodies, you know. Um, and I think when we can do that, and we can do that at an earlier age, you know, body literacy, tracking our cycle, knowing what's going on with our bodies, and then making real-time changes according to that it's a little bit more of a glide and a saunter into menopause. And so that's been always my, you know, how do we how do we really nourish the body cell to soul that allows us to have a much more beautiful, much more easy transition into. You know, I'm I was t- I've been sharing a lot on the podcast that I'm in I'm in early perimenopause and I'm in postpartum. And um and I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure. I was like I've read, you know, read things and people have told me things and I am so grateful, you know, knowing and the nourishing that it's this has been a beautiful experience. It's been, I'm almost I'm almost embarrassed to share how great it's been, you know, because I really I really did my best to set myself up for success and um with with the herbs and and, and, and nutrient supplements and 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 healing foods and the self care and the meditation and all the things that really just really just feel good. You know, doing the joyful activities, being out in nature. You know, I think those little ways in which we can love and nourish ourselves really sets the tone for how we get to step into this next journey.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there are many women who just glide through, like they don't really have problems. However, if there's something you've been pushing down, and many times you won't even be aware of it, but if there's something you've been pushing down, it's going to come up now. So, what you want to do, you want to embrace it. Now, the first thing you're going to do when something happens is you're going to want to embrace the victim role. Oh, my body is betraying me. That's what the culture teaches you. Your body is betraying me. No, it isn't. Your body is telling you, hey, you did this all through your teens, then you did this in your 20s, you know, like you would go out and party and drink and eat all these carbs. And yeah, in your 30s, you could diet for a week and get into that little black dress by the weekend. We're not going to do that anymore. That's what your body goes. We gave you all kinds of rope with that one. No longer you see, and that's what's fun about it. Yes, you have to feel your feelings. you got to, you've got to grieve your losses. You have to. But on the other hand, you cannot do well in the time past menopause. You cannot do well if you are in the victim position. I'm a victim of my body. This happened to my mother. This happened to my grandmother. This is going to happen to me. I've had women say to me, Everyone in my family had a hysterectomy by 50. I might as well have mine. It's like,
1: ah. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that too.
0: That's amazing. That which shows you how we got a long way to go.
1: We do. We so that's why we're that's why we are having literally this conversation. Yeah, we we subscribe to oh, this happened to this is in my family, or this is this is what happened to my best friends, or whatever it may be. And we subscribe to that quote unquote normality, what do you want to call it, when it did yeah, you why why not see that you have a different path? You know, that it can be so different for you. And that there's no need to subscribe. Like you said, the epigenetics, we can turn these genes on and off. And when we subscribe to that victim mentality of like this is happening to me. Well yeah, it's it's you know it's it's gonna play out just how you thought it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what you always want to do, you want to focus on what's interesting and fun. And then, get support. Just get support for whatever you want to do, because it's it's so much more fun to do things with other like-minded people. And you may find that those people will not be your age match peers. You know how we go to school and everyone's in second grade and everyone's in third grade. Well, in the really progressive schools, they don't do that. so you're you're grouped by, Interest group. So in our tango group, back before this, so we could actually be with each other, we were probably age 20 through 80. And what mattered was the dance and the music. And nobody cared about age at all, age mm-hmm. at all. In fact, many of the better dancers were the ones who were older because with Argentine tango, it's one of those things where you just get better and better and better hearing the music and dancing to the music and all of that sort of thing. So what I would recommend to people, it's very, very important for you to understand the difference between chronologic age and biologic age. Now in the book, goddesses never age. I just tell people, just don't, don't give your age, just don't give your age. And I'll tell you why it's not about, Oh, you know, cause I'd get all these people pushing back on social media. I'm proud of how I look at 60, you know, and all that. like, that is not what I'm talking about. I, we all do it. We live in an ageist culture. We all do it. So I don't want to know someone's age so that I won't put them in a box. I don't want to know. And, you know, and milestone birthdays, I'd get rid of those. Like no 50th, no 60th, because that is a millstone. Have a birthday by all means. Have a celebrate.
1: big celebration. Yeah.
0: Have a big break- Celebration. But what you don't want is a banner across your main street that shows you going up a hill. I saw this, actually. You going up a hill and then having the Grim Reaper at the top of the hill and then going down the other side to a tombstone. That's what I saw for a woman's 50th birthday party. Her husband thought that, you know, so Sarah's over the hill We don't need that crap. There was a time when I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and I'd come back to the airport and these women would be meeting their friends who were having their 40th birthday parties with black balloons. It's like, no, 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 no. So Mario Martinez has just taught me, just don't don't state your age. Now, the reason for that is our cells hear every word. They literally hear every word. So yes, it's you're, it's on your driver's license. You got to get, you know, all of that. But it's better because you want to reprogram your cells for something else. So you go to the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, you give them your license, you know, and then you just go out and, well, this doesn't apply to me. It just doesn't because you and I, we've known 35-year-olds going on 85. And 85 year olds going on 40, many. So you want your biologic age as low as possible, and your chronologic age is. Immaterial. I have one of those um, those scales. It's an Iron Man scale. I went and did a water fast with a friend of mine, and we thought, well, you know, if we're going to be starving to death, it would be fun to at least have a whippy ding scale that gives us body fat, water percentage, all of that. It gives you metabolic age. Mm. Really interesting based on interesting algorithms. And both of us, our metabolic age was always in the 20s. So I don't know what they base it on. But when I go into a gym anywhere and you have to you know, put your age into the machine, I just put 40. I just, because I don't want the planned decrepitude that is part of the culture to be part of my experience. So despite the fact that we have polluted air, polluted water, polluted whatever, I want people to know you have the ability to... Avoid all of that or to transmute it or to alchemize it or whatever it is. We humans have that ability.
1: Mm, That's so powerful. I was thinking about reproductive aging. Your daughter, I know, has a mastermind, and one of my best friends is in it. Uh, Her name is Dr. Cleopatra.
0: Oh, I love her. I love her. She's wonderful.
1: And we were just with—that's what we were—we were just visiting with her in Laguna. But that is her thing. She is all about reproductive longevity and in in extending our reproductive our reproductive age, and it's so incredible. And she's Kingston's a super baby of hers, <laughs> the baby. And so I just—but the painting the picture. We I've had her on the show. We've talked about how we get to extend our reproductive longevity, where it's not—we're not tied to the the our age. And it's shifting and shifting every day. And so I just wanted to speak into that because there's the research and the science is there to back all of that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We even know at MIT, they found that in mice, the ovaries keep producing new eggs. In other words, you know how we we're all taught that you have the most eggs you're ever going to have as a 20-week fetus in your mother's womb, and then they start culling. Well, they actually found that in, in mice, the mice were producing new eggs, not ripening an egg they already had, like really producing new Brand egg. new ones. Yeah. Brand new ones. So I think that women have been sold a bill of goods. I have to say, I am terrified by the amount of assisted reproductive technology that is foisted on women in their early 30s. You know, like, well, you know, I'm worried. I want to get my PhD. I want to get my MBA. So I'm going to freeze my eggs as though as though that's benign. I mean, you know, taking pergonol and then suddenly, you know, oh, wait, we're harvesting, you know, 20 eggs. Well, are you going to have them when you want them like with the normal? I mean, so I love Dr. Cleopatra's work on that because she she shows you scientifically that a lot of what you're told does not have to be the truth.
1: Mm -mm. No, not at all. And, you know, I remember being 38 when we decided to consider trying and then I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So I took a year to kind of get, and she loves that story. She's like, and you took a year. You were 38 and you were like, you know what? Let me take this year to just really reset the body, heal my, get the garden ready, like everything, yes. you know, I'm giving myself that full year so that I really reset the epigenetics, really set the tone for that super baby. And so I, we didn't start trying until I was almost 40 and got, I got pregnant at 40. And so in, under under her guidance, you know, and and she just was like, can we speak into at 38? You were like, you know what? I'm going to wait a year. And yes. and,
0: and we that did. Not, oh my god. Okay, cuz think about it. Thyroid is about speaking your truth, but it's also about creativity and timing and timing. And so this idea I'm running out of time adversely affects the thyroid. And what you did was you changed all of that and you know, I had patients who came in I remember one woman, she came in at 52. She thought she was in menopause. Don't ask me how she managed to have this big of a body-mind split, but she was like seven months pregnant. And then she delivered a perfectly healthy baby. But she and her husband didn't even know she was pregnant. Sometimes when women really have, they carry a lot of weight in the midsection. I I don't know how you don't feel the baby kicking, but, you know, hey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I hear you that. And I, well, one of my best friends um, who I'm actually interviewing with just in a second, she just had twins at 48. And so they are, they're 10 weeks old. And so she was, she and I were right behind each other or she was right behind me. And so um, it just, yeah, it's just incredible. Actually, all the women I know who were pregnant naturally, all of my, my besties were all, I think I'm the youngest at 41 delivering, but yeah, it's just, you know, that, again, possibility, of, you know, and, and really reframing.
0: Also, one of the things we notice, way back in the 50s, the TV people that we thought were old, you find out that the actress was 50, you know, like at that time. Some of those, like Leave it to Beaver, those 50s shows. What you find now, people like Diane Lane, people like Helen Mirren, we are having a shift so that much older actresses, I'm not saying it's perfect because it's ridiculous. However, we're making progress there. And I believe that women look younger and are biologically younger now than they have ever been.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, look at J-Lo.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Well, Dr. Northrup, I just wanna say thank you so much for, I love this conversation. I just, you know, I hope there was so many aha moments for uh, my listeners listening. I know there was for me either. I, there are friends I want to call right now. I want to call my mama right now too. I'm like, you got to Like I got to read, cause she's going to listen to this episode too. But I just want to, there's things that I heard today that I'm just like, I just got to tell somebody right now, you know? <laughs> and I wonder if women are texting at this moment as they're hearing these things, but I cannot tell you how excited I am that you are revamping. Can you pull your revamped cover up? I know I've got the older
0: one. Here we this, go. She's got the, old, this is the new one revamped. Uh, you know, I would say there's 20 to 30% all new material. So, you know, get this one. You know,
1: a couple hundred pages more of, you know, new material. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to read the updated version. It's on its way to me right this second. I'm going to get to read it in Hawaii. And I just want to say thank you. We'll have the link in the show notes. I know you can get it on Amazon, you can get them book, you know, everywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble. And I know that we're going to also send them to your newsletter because you have that beautiful, beautiful guide, the um, guided meditation. I believe that we can move people through. So I'll have that in the show notes as well.
0: Thank beautiful. you. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good day. huh. Bye bye.
1: I don't know about you, but I am fully ready to embrace every single phase of my life, including the new beginning that happens with menopause. There is so much that I know that I'm going to offer to the world at that point in my life that I really can't wait to embrace the wisdom and grace. And if you agree with me and you want to guide on your journey, no matter where you are on this journey, whether you're in perimenopause or you have just stepped into menopause or you're postmenopausal. I cannot tell you how incredible Dr. Northroad's book, The Wisdom of Menopause is, for answering every question you could possibly imagine. Her book is also the perfect companion, not going to lie, to my newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution. Both books offer an integrative approach that will get you the results you desire, whether it is cultivating more passion, more self-care, more energy, more brain, power, focus, concentration, higher metabolism, bone health, breast health, all of it. These books are going to deliver for you. Now, if you are ready, grab the fourth edition of The Wisdom of Menopause. It's going to be in my show notes or really just head into any bookstore, including Barnes and Noble, Amazon, wherever you love to buy books. And the link for her book and her newsletter will be inside the show notes for this episode, along with the link for my book and my book bonuses, because if you haven't grabbed my book yet... Right now is the time. Grabbing both of these books is the perfect companion, and they make great gifts as well. In case there's someone in your life that you know is heading into midlife and is looking to saunter and glide in a really beautiful way. And I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. If you're loving the show, by all means, leave a review and subscribe. And I want you to know that the upcoming Friday episode this week, I'm going to be jumping in to share... I think a really important conversation, which is why we gain weight even when we don't eat sugar. There's so much just misunderstanding around how our metabolism works and what is going on with our bodies. You know that other hormones are at play, and I just want to break this down so that we can get so much clarity as to what is going on with this weight resistance, what is going on with this belly fat even when I cut out some of my biggest inflammatory foods. So I'm going to be diving into that on Friday. I can't wait. Until then, have an amazing week.